0: We'll pick up in Exodus chapter 10, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll start to look at the eighth plague, getting very close to completing this tonight. Father, we thank you this evening for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we have opportunity to close out another Lord's Day in your house. We lift these up to you this evening. Obviously, you do not need to be reminded of the specific needs, but Father, we we do as it's cathartic for us to remember them, call their names and pray for them. And so we do ask that you'd intervene on each one that uh, we specifically have mentioned and perhaps those that are still uh, on our hearts and in our minds, we ask that uh, you would meet the specific needs that they may have. We thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word this morning in Sunday school and in worship. We pray that you'd guide us into all truth this evening as we continue in the 10th chapter of the book of Exodus. Bless our prayer, our youth, and also our uh, children tonight. Teach them something from your word, and for what is accomplished, we'll not forget to thank you. In Jesus' name we make this prayer. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the chapter in its entirety. These are the last two plagues. And... Uh, we've talked about the intensity of the plagues as they, uh, as they progressed <clears throat> from the turning of the water to blood to till, till now the eighth plague. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go in t- uh, to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things that I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me, or else if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory, and they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of what is left, now that's a key, you may want to circle that, of what is left, not much is left of Egypt, which remains to you from the hail that they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill your houses, the houses of all your servants, the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your father's fathers have seen since the day they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go and serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for the evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men. Serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt, and eat every herb of the land and all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locust. And the locust went up all <coughs> uh, over all the land of Egypt, rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locust as they, nor shall there be such after them. But they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing, green on the trees or on the plants of the fields throughout all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take uh, away from me this death only. So we went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children go. Now, we'll read the ninth plague. We won't cover it this evening. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burn offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us, and not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God, and even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said to them, Get away from me, take heed to yourself, see my face no more, for in the day that you see my face you shall die. So Moses said, you have spoken well. I will never see your face again. So remarkable um, end to nine plagues that prepares the way, of course, for uh, the Passover. Now, consistent with what the Lord has done, since this is the, uh, the eighth plague, uh, you will notice that uh, in the ninth plague, which is darkness, that uh, the Lord does not uh, instruct Moses to go into Pharaoh and tell him that this plague is coming. So every third plague, the Lord takes it upon himself, as he always does, and tells Moses, you just raise, your, raise the rod, the plague is going to come. So here with the eighth plague, of course, he, Moses goes into Pharaoh, and it's, Announce now. The Lord said to Moses, "Go into Pharaoh," and he said, "I've hardened his heart. Obviously, he will show the signs before me that you may tell him the hearing of your son and your son's son. The mighty things that I've done in Egypt, that you may know that I am the Lord." Now, this this phrase, the hearing of your son, or the hearing of your father and your father's father, son's son, is something that is conveyed. All the way through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, it's it's mentioned time and time again. It's recorded in the Psalms. So the events that are taking place here in Egypt are a preface. You will notice what what Moses says uh, here. Let's see. He says... uh, in verse um, 26, our livestock will also go before us, not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God, and even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So the Lord had not revealed himself um, completely to the Israelites at this time. It would not be until they had crossed the Red Sea and encamped at Horeb in Sinai that the Lord begins to reveal himself um, as the way the, the, that uh, Jehovah wanted to be worshipped, and the way the people were to worship him obviously with the decalogue and that that is mentioned in Exodus nineteen and twenty so this is the preface to what the Lord is preparing to do to the to the uh, two and for the Hebrew people the Lord mentions again in this chapter i 've hardened his heart uh, in Exodus 9:34, we looked at that last week. It says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And, of course, we've looked at this a number of times. And both were true. Uh, one doesn't deny the other uh, in hardening Pharaoh's heart. This is not a, a tug of war, so to speak. This is, uh, this is <laughs> the sovereignty of God playing out. He knows that Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. And in these particular instances, he also, there are times when he uh, moves in Pharaoh's heart or uh, permits Pharaoh's heart to harden itself against his nature. So this is one of the things that the, the old King James used the word reprobate. Sometimes it used the word backslide in, through the book of uh, Jeremiah and uh, into Ezekiel. And so the reason the word was used was because there are, times, some, there are times in our lives when our hearts become so hard, even against the, the good nature of God, that he permits us, gives us over basically to our uh, sinful desires. It's never a good thing, but it's found time and time again throughout scripture. Pharaoh again, of course, has hardened his heart at the end of chapter nine. And We find here at the end of chapter ten, he does the same thing. In fact, his heart is so hard now that he is—he's uh, taking out his anger uh, against God, against Yahweh, on Moses. Uh, so the Lord introduces this. Or Moses is recording this particular chapter, and the Lord says, "I want you to tell your son and your son's son the mighty things that I've done in Egypt." And again, that's mentioned several times throughout the Old Testament. Uh, and the Lord himself, Lord Jesus himself, would recall some of these uh, plagues when he was teaching uh, in uh, the Gospels. So one of the beauties of Scripture is that the work is not only for the generation of Moses and Pharaoh. We read these things, you know, last last Sunday morning we, we, we read about David and um, his eating, he and his men eating the... Uh, Uh, The showbread from the priest of Abimelech. Uh, We read about David escaping from Saul. We read about David taking the sword of of Goliath and going to Gath before Achish the king. Uh, The Philistine and feigning madness. Uh, And basically Achish saying, I don't need any more madmen. Get this man man out of here. (coughs) So all these things, when we read these things, we, we, we kind of have tunnel vision, and we, we bore into it, and say, well, this happened so long ago. The Lord doesn't work that way now. Well, the Lord still works through the hearts and lives of men and women, uh, and I think we make a mistake when we say, well, he wouldn't work that way in my life. We don't know. We don't know. We. What Moses is writing is not only for that particular time, but also for the generations to come. And uh, we, God does mighty works in us so that we can encourage the generations to, <coughs> to come. That's important to remember, that what we're reading here is every bit as re- re- uh, relevant to us today as it was to the Hebrew people then. So remember that as we read, the the word of God is live. It is a sharp two-edged sword. It comes to life and we can see it in the hearts and in the lives of these people. Next slide, if you would, Brother Tim. So one of the things that uh, there's a, a, a direct confrontation And the Lord says, I want you to tell, (laughs) tell Pharaoh, he said, uh, or rather, um, uh, in verses nine, he says, my wonders may be uh, multiplied in the land of, whoops, that's chapter 11, let me turn back here, okay. And so they go again, and He has hardened his heart. He will not, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? So God gives grace to the humble, but the proud, he always resists. And time and time and time again, this is the eighth time, at least the eighth time, that Pharaoh has has increased his stubbornness and increased his pride toward Moses and toward uh, Yahweh. So it's interesting that you don't think about locusts being perhaps, because we have them here every once in a while, cicadas, about every 16, 17 years. But we don't think of the nature of this type of insect until we read what's taking place here. Now remember, the hail, the firestorms, the lightning that had basically just devastated the crops and the land of Egypt. So all that is left, the devastation, you see you, – you, I'm sure you've seen the results of the fires in Maui. You see the results of, of hurricanes. You see the results of tornadoes as they make their way across the land. So we look at it through modern eyes and we see overturned cars and burnt down houses and so forth. Well, The the automobiles weren't there and perhaps the roads weren't there, but uh, Egypt was a very well developed ancient civilization. So the seventh plague had devastated the land. Not much left. And now the Lord tells Moses, you need to instruct Pharaoh that, we're, that I'm going to take care of what's left. And when we get to the ninth plague, which is darkness, the interesting thing is that the Lord, uh, the, the scripture records, it was so dark that the Egyptian people did not move. Now, I've been in a lot of dark places and you have too, but I've never been in a place where I was afraid to move. So this devastation continues to increase. Uh, It's an important question. Uh, The uh, the Lord said, are you going to refuse to uh, humble yourself before me? If you do, you will be consumed by the worst plague of locusts. So the pride that had consumed Pharaoh's heart was going to give way to the consumption of what remained by the locusts. Um, And it's a a great question for all of us to answer that I I need to ask myself. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? So Moses goes in in verses 7 through 11. um, He seems to relent, or at least prematurely. And his servants are smarter than he is. Sometimes it's good to listen to those that offer uh, advice to you, that offer reasons. And the reason, of course, is let let these people go. Don't you know that Egypt is destroyed? There's nothing left here. Don't you understand that? And you continue to want to promote yourself above the God of the Hebrews? So that's pretty good, even at this point, even though it's too late, and they say, how long is this man, talking about Moses and and, uh, Aaron, of course, how long are these men going to be a snare to us? Wake up, guy. You're supposed to be a smart guy. You're supposed to be a demigod. And demigods wouldn't act like this, or at least that's their thought. So his soothsayers, his magicians, his cabinet, whatever, they relented in the light of the destruction that they had seen in Egypt. Uh, but the problem is uh, Pharaoh wants to bargain. And this is what sinners do. Sinners want to bargain. And so he calls Moses and Aaron. They stand before him and he says, okay, I'm going to let him go. Now, who's going? Who are you going to take with you? And Moses knows exactly what Pharaoh is trying to do because Pharaoh had previously said at one time that uh, you can only take the men. Here he's saying the same thing, but so Moses answers up in verse 9 and says, We'll go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Everybody's going. And then, of course, we just read in verse 26, One of the reasons everybody's going and we're taking our herds is because we don't know what the Lord is going to demand for us to do and doesn't like this so He said okay, you men maybe they can go but we're going to keep the women and children at home And we're going to do that because I want the men to come back and obviously he's trying to be coy or he's trying to be the smartest man in the room when The Lord always has the upper hand in in dealing with uh, with all of us. Turn back to uh, chapter eight for a moment. This is the fourth plague. These are the flies. Verse twenty five. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, "Go sacrifice to your God in the land." And Moses said, it's not right to do so for we would be sacrificing the uh, abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then they will, will they not stone, uh, stone us? We will go three days' journey in the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command you. Um, and so Pharaoh relents a little bit. He says, I'm going to uh, make intercession for you. He goes out and of course, when this takes place, Uh, To Pharaoh, Pharaoh sees the flies are gone. He changes his mind. Well, we're at a point now to where, and the Lord knows all of this, obviously, but he's trying to make a play. One of the things that God is doing here is not only the, um, the devastation of Egypt, a pagan land, but primarily he is teaching the Hebrew people that he alone is their savior. He alone is their redeemer. These are slaves. That's all they are. He alone is their redeemer. So this time and every time, God doesn't negotiate with rebels. Uh, He holds all the leverage, and he employs all the leverage. So we see what's taking place here. Next slide, brother. So what Pharaoh obviously wants is what all sinful, rebellious humans want in the flesh. A way to give in to God without fully submitting to it. I'll give you this much, but not this. I'll give you that, but not this. So there's always this, we we assume we can compromise with the Lord of the universe. And that's, again, a fool's errand. So most sinners, and probably all sinners, look for a way to bargain with God as an equal if I can bring him down to my level, that's what Pharaoh's trying to do. If I can bring him down to my level, then I know how to deal with it. But <laughs> the scripture says the Lord is in the heavens. He laughs at those that are in derision. So God has no equal. And back in if he, uh, Exodus 5, Brother Pharaoh had said, Who is this Lord? When this first started, Moses and Aaron go into him and they explain the situation and Pharaoh said, well, who is this Lord? Why should I obey his voice? Why should I let Israel go? And then finally he said, he said, <laughs> "He said, I don't know this God. Well, by this time he knows him. I don't know this God and I'm not going to let the people go. So things have changed and changed considerably. This was despite the fact that the Lord God had made it clear that he was, and these are the, the, uh, some of the pantheon of the uh, Egyptian people. He's greater than the god kum the guardian of the Nile. He's greater than the god Hapi, who is the spirit of the Nile. He's greater than the god Osiris, who had the Nile as his, as his bloodstream. Pharaoh was supposed to be the incarnate, was supposed to be Osiris incarnate uh, with the Nile flowing in his bloodstream. He's greater than the goddess Hecht, the frog goddess of fertility. He's greater than the goddess Hathor, a cow-like mother goddess, which we talked about a week or so ago. He's greater than the god Imhoptet, the god of medicine, the boils that came on the people. And he's greater than Newt, the sky goddess. And we saw that in the uh, seventh plague. And we see, obviously, what's taking place here in uh, the eighth one. He's able to negate the worship of Egyptian gods with loathsome lice and swarms of insects. The things that you would think you can swap with your hand. He sends on Egypt. I think it's remarkable when we talk about the omnipotence of God, this is remarkable. Using something as small as life, using something like flies, using something like locusts to utterly destroy a land. We don't have the time tonight. We could go to the book of Revelation we could see a similar type of thing as the trumpet judgments, the, uh, the seal judgments, the vial judgments are poured out on the earth. Very, very similar. God doesn't require uh, animals, mammals, uh, those that are meat eaters to come out of the forest and attack people. He can use the very small, he can use bacteria He can use those types of viruses that uh, we fear so much. So, and all of this is at God's disposal. What a a remarkable God we serve. Now, let's let's see. Look at the next slide. I want to see where we are. I think I've got one or two more slides. Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt. They may come upon the land of Egypt, they're going to eat everything that is left. I don't think we have an idea how devastating this is. Everything that is left is gone. No trees. No produce. No grain. Nothing to eat. Now, this certainly caused a problem. And remember, the Hebrew people, the Israeli people, still had their livestock and still had their grain stores. So what do you think is in Pharaoh's mind? And one of the reasons, we'll, as we'll see after the Passover, one of the reasons he takes off after the Hebrew people is they took all of this plunder, if you please, with them. Egypt's destroyed. They ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hell had left. Yahweh showed himself to be greater than the Egyptian God set, the protector of crops. Uh, Nothing was left, nothing green on the trees or the plants of the field. And God did for Pharaoh what he will do in every sinner's life. He exposes and he topples every false god. So, verses 16 through 20, we read these. Another false repentance. I, for the life of me, when you think, put yourself in Pharaoh's shoes, and I'm sure when all of this is taking place, we are told that the locusts go into the houses, and you know that they even preyed upon people. I can, you, when you stop and think about how, how desperate and how despicable is Pharaoh's heart, that he would bring this not only on himself, but on his family as a family and on his people. Pharaoh they will call for Moses and Aaron in haste, it says, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. And forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord for me that he can take all these locusts away. does the very same thing he's done time and time again. So he repented with words, but not with actions. And one of the commentaries that I'm using by a man named Cole, he said, he wrote, Once again comes the easy confession of sin and the shallow repentance that springs only from a desire to avert the consequences. It's easy to confess sin. It's difficult to repent of sin. And that's why we need to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Pharaoh never did. And unfortunately not only he but all of his land uh, suffered the consequences. Any comments or questions this evening? We're going to stop there. <coughs> Let's pray. Father we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the uh, truth that's contained here. We thank you that we can look back um, almost 3,500 years, 3,500 to 4,000 years, we can see what took place here, and we are even reminded that there are uh, some archeological uh, digs, Father, that uh, confirm what has taken place, what we're reading here in the book of Exodus. Father, we pray as we depart this place this evening that you would fill our hearts with your spirit, and we pray that you would abide and be with us as families as individuals we pray that you would open doors that we may share our faith that we may give a reason for the hope that lies within us and protect us this week is that prayer in jesus name i do pray